1: Tom Bernard Show with Mike Molina and Andy Bernard. We will be right in a couple of seconds to kick off our two Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer Way. Up front, no haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, The Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you?
0: uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. More than anything, I need your love. Them troubles are easy to
2: ride.
1: Years old. Oh. Wow. I, just, I knew he was in his 70s, but I didn't know he was
2: 77. Damn. Ah, unfortunate. What are you going to do? Well, it's, it is fortunate. I guess he's still alive, right? Yeah, he's still alive, but we just remember him as a much younger, yep. energetic voice.
1: Yeah, very energetic. Yeah. One of my heroes of all time. No
2: doubt about it. Eric
1: Burton, happy birthday, 77. Ryan Stoddard in studio. He's at Acme tonight and tomorrow night. Two shows. As my
2: favorite place in the world. Acme. Acme. It just is great. Just one of the, and it's amazing to me that even today, like you go through all of Minnesota and they don't realize like one of the best comedy clubs in the world in the world yeah. is right here, and they go really, yeah they don't <laughs> nearly right. every time they go what and you you're go yeah, right. and I think part of it's the weather. It, this whole part of the country, yeah, you know when you're when you're cold for six months, you actually you know, develop the ability to sit and listen and uh, let other people talk and find entertainment indoors whereas, you know, I grew up in Texas. People are outside, right. they're on boats, they're on right. they're hunting, they're doing weird stuff all year long. California's a mess. Yeah, California. They never a mess. deal with snow. They're just <laughs> doing whatever they want. We're at the beach and it's fine. Who's talking? Why? <laughs>
1: We had a guy calling this morning. He lives here now. He's from Australia originally, mm-hmm. and he called into the show and said, "Yeah, I got to tell you, it's uh, it's a great place to live. From well, it's a great place to live except for like October through June. It was <laughs> so <gave> July, <laughs> August, and September. That was it. July, August, September. It's nice. The rest We'll of it's give horrible. you twenty
2: five percent of the year. Twenty five percent of the year. It's the best place. Seventy five percent of the year. Hmm. not pay me."
1: June fifteenth is when it, it you can count on it being nice here, and then you know I, I Thanksgiving I like and Halloween I like Andy's birthdays in October my son down there and and my birthdays in November you got Thanksgiving you got Christmas so I yeah, June fifteenth through the end of the year I, it's fine sure sure but the other the first five and a half months of the year are just
2: horrible well when I get offers to come to this part of the country when it's nice out I just flat out turn it down oh absolutely nobody no, will no. come in. Comedy is a bad weather game, everybody. <laughs> You're right. I want you miserable so yeah. that you can come in and teeth chattering. <laughs> you take off your big coats and you go, all right, let's yep. try to relax here for a little
1: while. No, it's true. You do not want to come here when it's 85 and, and sunny. And, and No. I was
2: no. here when it was negative 50. And you know what? Best shows of my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, just Lovely.
1: I want to come in and laugh. I,
2: I, was, I was looking at the weather last week for what this week was going to look like, and I saw cloudy and rainy. I was like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. It's oh, going to be horrible. This is going to be lovely for me.
1: Especially on Friday. I mean, today, like today, when you get the showers off and on, and it's 50 degrees. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect in May. That works. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. And even like tomorrow night, the sun the sun will, will go down by 8 o'clock, so you don't care. No, I don't, I don't yeah. mind. Yeah. The sun goes down, and uh, then it's. High tomorrow, sixty-four, which means it's going to be in the upper fifties. the so yeah, it's not going to be horrible tomorrow. Like today is not good. I mean, I'm sorry. It's what May eleventh. Really cold. Mm-hmm. It's really cold out. I think. L-, but it
2: happens. I think I was on this show uh, two years ago. And then when did the Weather Channel buy this this network? We just talk about weather now. No. Is it top to bottom weather? No, we just want. Let's we're talk happy about for, tornadoes. We're Tom. Happy
1: for you. <laughs> I'm just the fact that The weather's. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Because I, hey, look, I've been. I did not know this, and we talked about about this the last couple of weeks, because I didn't know until until the KQ Morning Show started, the one you were on, um, until we started booking comedians 33 years ago, nobody ever booked comedians in this market on the radio.
2: They had no idea that there was value there. I guess not. That sounds like stand-up comedy to me. I didn't know that, though. I had no idea that nobody booked comedians. Well, the corporate world's kind of like that right now. Um, there's really? a lot of stigma with the word comedian, really? and uh, a friend of mine is segueing from doing comedy clubs. He's got a completely clean corporate act from his days oh, when yeah. he was a pharmaceutical rep, and we were talking about how to brand it. And I was like, "Whatever you do, do not say that you're a comedian, really, because they do not want a comedian. Say you're a speaker. Say you're a humorist. Say you're something. Yeah, humorist. good. And your your bookings will skyrocket as soon as you say comedian. People think." oh, he's dirty, he's a nightclub oh, person, he's yeah, this. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, okay. no, comedian just means that I take a sheet of paper and I sit down and I fill it with jokes, yeah. and then I get up and I test those jokes for strangers, and then I keep the ones that work and I get rid of the ones that don't. That's all it means. It, there's no – there's it, anything you project on it beyond that about, well, comedians are always talking about rape. You go, <laughs> no, no, what are you talking about? What? I mean, there are literally blogs out there that oh, people are like, oh, I'll never go to a comedy club because so many comedians just get up there and they just – use profanity the whole time and I go no there's a billion clean comics out there what do a you a billion how do you, how could you possibly look at a whole art form and go no they all do the same thing What's really amazing about that though is the one guy who never worked
1: dirty turned out he actually did rape 60 women. You were, Bill Cosby? <laughs> I mean, he never worked
2: sure, in blue. Sure. Sure. Allegedly, allegedly well, a lot of those 60. Yeah, I I just I he look, he's still got he's selling property for millions of dollars. He's still got a legal team. Yeah, I'm that's like, right. look, that's he, true. he's at the end of his rope. He's desperate now. I don't want to say anything bad around that dude. Nah, you're he's right. Guilty he's guilty of 3 right now. That's true.
1: Okay, <laughs> we'll 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 leave it at 3. Due process is a good thing.
2: It, it is. sure is. It sure it is. is. A and good thing, so. and uh, you know what? Justice, our, our version of justice has happened. It is weird, though, to see him that old in the courtroom and then to see yeah, the Golden State killer that old in a courtroom. And, and you kind of look at each other and you go, does our justice system work or does it take a while?
1: <laughs> Eddie Murphy is... had the greatest, the greatest quote about, about uh, Bill Cosby. He said when he got famous on Saturday Night Live that uh, he ran into Bill Cosby and uh, had a conversation with him, and he said, then I called Richard Pryor right that night. I called him up. I said, Richard, Richard, i got to talk to you, man, because I just talked to Bill Cosby. He and I had, had some dinner, and, and Bill was talking to me. Um, and, Richard, i got to ask you a question. I gotta need your advice on something, because Bill Cosby said, man, you gotta, you got to give up swearing in your act. You shouldn't work blue. It's, it's not a good idea. Just take all that swearing out of your act. It's not good. You're too funny for that. You like the F-bomb and all that, get rid of all that, take it all out of your act. Well, what do you think, Richard? And Richard Pryor told me, why don't you tell Bill Cosby to have a coconut smile and shut the fuck
2: up? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: One of the greatest quotes yeah, of all yeah,
2: time. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He told that story during Raw, right? I think I that think might be right. Eddie think, Murphy's Raw, yeah. I,
1: I think you might be right about that.
2: It's it, fascinating to me as I get – I started doing stand-up when I was 17 And as I get into it deeper and deeper and deeper, I'm 35 now, Yeah, and uh, I think about the guys like Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy who just flat out quit. Yeah. They just went, no, we're not going to do that ever again. And and you kind of think, well, a lot of artists have done that in a lot of different fields where they just go, no, I'm not painting anymore. No, no more poems from me. No, I'm just giving up this whole creation thing. But uh, other comics like try to drag through and you know evolve and change and shift you yeah. know like my buddy who's like i'm gonna go into corporate now and just try to kind of right. you right. know entertain that crowd
1: yeah i saw steve martin saint paul was at civic center back then it wasn't the XL center i saw him this was during his whole saturday night live run when he was hosting saturday night live a lot and all that and uh he walked out on stage of 26,000 people yeah so
2: Twenty six thousand. Twenty
1: six thousand. That's a lot of people, up. everybody. Yeah, and, a wonderful and... line too. He walked out on stage and he held up his hand. You know, there was nothing in his hand. If you were sitting up front, he goes, "I would now like to do my wonderful dime trick," because you know, these people could <laughs> yeah. not Can't possibly see, a thing. see a thing. Right, right. But I, yeah. But you all of a sudden one day go, well, he collects art now. That's what he focuses on. He's collecting
2: art. I know. I know some art people who who tell me with great confidence they're like, you know, Steve Martin might be remembered better for changing the world of art than he he does for the world of comedy just because he's so specific and Mm -hmm. when he gets interested in somebody the art world kind of raises their eyebrows and goes, oh, who's that? And then what he's done for the world of banjo is amazing. Well, arrows he's, through
1: the head. You, you
2: talk about a guy, and I, that's why I think about him so much, because yeah. I'm like, oh, his yep. interests changed. And that didn't mean he was any less effective. No. He just, he's a smart dude and has a lot of interests and explores all of them. Yes. And uh, in, in a world where everybody's so angry and victimized and, and wants I to throw agree. fits, I always want to go, hey, what do you, what do you want? What are you curious about? Yeah. Why don't you go explore that and dig real hard? And I promise you, you're not going to be so upset that a comedian said, fuck. See, you're I, really not.
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I, this is what I love about comedians and interviewing comedians, because you're very honest about things. Because you and a lot of other people I've talked to recently in the comedy business, you talk about the fact that people all want to be a victim now. Yeah. Most people won't, won't bridge that gap. They, 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 won't, they won't approach that at all. But it's true. Everybody's a victim now. Well, yeah. that woman we talked about before we came on. Uh-huh. Would you play the audio for her, for, for Ryan, if you would, Andy? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her name again?
2: It's Shian or. Um, Sh- 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 Deanne? I think it's Deanne. Deanne She's that Australian De- woman. I've not heard this, but oh I've heard God. about it. It's
3: well a... the children you talk to? Uh, we work from children from three years old. We work with parents from birth. From birth? Yeah just about how to set up a culture of consent in their home. So, I'm going to change your nappy now, is that okay? Of course the baby's not going to respond, yes, mum, that's awesome, I'd love to have my nappy changed. But if you leave a space and wait for body language and wait to make eye contact, then you're letting that child know that their response matters.
2: Unless, they <laughs> <laughs> don't have a unless <laughs> the baby doesn't want their diaper changed. Yeah, well, and that's then you change like, it anyway. Yeah,
3: what then? You just let it, you know. Right. I'll just okay. You don't want your diaper changed. Well, that's fine.
2: Well, and, and it's weird, you know, this, this idea of a culture of consent a culture is of so consent. big. And uh, for a guy that studied poetry in college <laughs> where you're supposed to, like, look at words and see if they right. matter and right. how they matter and what they mean to different people, the culture of consent means so – the definition is so different for everybody. Right. Like there's no tangibility with any of those words that you go, okay, well, then we're all setting up different cultures of consent mm-hmm. if we're not all on the same page. It's and amazing. it they they make these words sound so positive that – that everybody's supposed to go, yeah, that's a good idea. And if you're against it, then you're obviously bad. Right. And it turns into an all-or-nothing situation. And, that's and then the that's problem. terrible.
1: Yeah, That is the problem. Yeah. You, know, I, I, you and I met you know, like you said, a couple years ago. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Um, I've never portrayed myself as a victim, but I can tell you that I, I think most people have been victimized in certain ways. I have had people I considered very good friends steal money from me. Yeah. They have. But you don't hear me going. Oh God! You know he's still he's still my I'm a victim. People are a pain in the ass. I'm sorry. Sartre was right when he said hell is other people. Yeah, he was right. Right. Okay. So if you're everybody's a victim. Shut sure, up. Sure.
2: Sure. Right. And life. If if you yeah. view life as some ruthless thing that's full of chaos, um, you're going to understand real quickly that yeah, things aren't going to go your way sometimes. No. Nope. This idea that. Everybody tells you life is not fair. Well, if it's not fair, you're going to get victimized. So that's just how it goes. My mom is probably one of the worst ones because, I mean, if if we can get deep real quick. Like she was 12 when her dad died and she had older brothers and sisters and her mom had to work. And she would get home from school and have to cook dinner. Now, when you're 12, you want to have a childhood. So my mom kind of started getting bitter at a very young age very quickly and, like, developed this idea that it's the world against me. And then she passed that on to me and my yeah. brother, like, hey, you're going to work real hard, and, and then somebody else is going to come along and fuck it up for you. So, you know, you learn to suck it up. And uh, it took, a, it took years true. of therapy to figure out, oh, yeah, it's not exactly true. But uh, if Run. you're – uh, let's say you are a victim and then you prove it. Okay, great. Now what? Now what? Now what? Now what are you going to do now? Now, now you want to sit around while people change yep. your diaper?
1: I, uh, you, your mother and I get along very well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah my, yeah. my father uh, was was gone by the time I was ten, and my mother wor- had to work constantly Brutal. to raise seven children. So you were on your own, man. I mean, yeah. you were just on your own and making dinner or whatever you were doing. Sure, sure. So you do tend to get. See, while I was just talking to a couple of guys about this the fact that I do have a very severe rage problem. Me too. I don't drink. Yeah, me because, neither. You know, if I drink that rage can come out. Man. <laughs> I'll tell
2: you that. <laughs> well, Not always. Is your again. is your anger one of that that kind it's like mine will spike and then drop. Like yeah, I will yeah, be very angry and then go all right, we're gonna All get right. through
1: this. Now we get through it.
2: But I've dealt with I've dealt with people, I guess, who are better emotionally adjusted than I am. Yeah. And uh, they go, "You get so angry so quickly," and I just feel like you're mad. And I'm like, No, no, no I was mad thirty seconds ago. I'm done yeah, now. No. I'm, I'm done being mad. My no, my no. father, one Christmas, every Christmas, my dad makes cookies. He's done this for sixty years. And uh, he's uh, he makes great cookies. And right. it's the only time of year he makes cookies. And he's in there. And I just hear him in the kitchen go, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> and then my mom screams, what's wrong? And I'm screaming, are you okay? Like just oh, yelling God. out of nowhere. And then he's like, I put too much sugar in the damn cookies. And we're like, uh, is that it? <laughs> That's it, huh? And he was like... No, nah, it's fine. I'm just going to add some flour and some more egg, and we're just going to make yeah, a bigger big, batch. Make a bigger batch. So we're that good. was it. He spiked, and then it was over. And it was over. It wasn't like the whole day is lost to dad's anger. There are some people he, that carry it with him. He though. mentally worked through it. Yeah, it was good. But what, what kills me is the misunderstanding when people think, oh, Ryan's mad now. <laughs> He's upset.
1: We'll be back. Ryan's out at Acme Tonight, Tomorrow Night, Two Shows. Right back, Tom Bernard aren't you? Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flow's newest dealer in Chanhazen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow Docks and Lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan, and now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me, at their free informational dinner on Monday, May 21st, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth. Those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I lost over 40 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth after being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutrimose Weight Loss Plan is so easy, they guarantee that you lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food, and I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutrimose Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner on May 21st. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. Oh,
2: I know I'll
3: never lose
2: affection For
3: people and things that went before I know I'll often stop and think about them
1: I love the fact that Melina plays that song to calm us down. That's a good thing. In
2: my life, I've loved you, more. I like that you're just reading the subtext of people in the room going, I know why you did that. You don't want this show to start getting out of control, spiraling into anger. <laughs> oh, no. Tom can attest to it. I am like him and like oh, you. And oh, that. God. Melina
1: can get angry. Well, your dad left when? I was eight. You're right. I know
2: exactly. Uh, coming home and I had two younger brothers and yeah, you got to start dinner. So so you had two younger brothers, and you nope. were eight. And, nope. and was it your fault he left?
3: Uh yes. Probably. You oh, okay.
2: Do <laughs> okay. I just wanted to see. Was well, like Tom said, were... uh, my, my dad was like, you know, he never said it, but it was always kind of clear that uh, he did not like me. No. So. <laughs> <Mike and laughs>
1: well, I he did probably
2: didn't him. like anybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he doesn't like his own kids, like who, yeah. who the hell does he care for?
1: Well, my, my father didn't like me, but he did like my older brother. Really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah, he, uh, matter of fact, that might have been the only kid that he liked. There were <laughs> seven kids, and I think he liked one of them. Ah. He was crazy.
2: Sure, no sure.
1: But Molina, I mean, the Molina story is, is much worse than mine does because he lost his mother, what, graduation day? Yeah, it'll be five years. Good
2: uh. God.
1: Uh. Graduating from college and is, what on the was it on the way to graduation?
2: Yeah, well, I was picking her up at her house, and uh, yeah.
1: Uh. So I was like, oh.
2: That's... So yeah if so life out. just took its fists and just started pummeling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just yeah. slamming it into you for yeah. no good reason like oh, there's no, no re- life is not fair nope. and then uh, you had a choice you could be like, well, I'm gonna write some blogs about how hurt Damn. I am exactly. Or you could say, well, I guess <laughs> I have to fight my way through life because yeah. life is trying to fight me so I'll it's fight true. back yeah. and uh, well good for you. Yeah. good for you fighting back. it's yeah.
1: funny though when to, to watch somebody come in here and make some statements. And watch Molina get angry. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's really hilarious. What is he
2: what does he get touchy about? Uh I'm contentious, so I wanna argue.
1: He's a very good friend of mine, Cy Amundsen. I don't know if you know. Cy, I know Cy, no. yeah. Yeah, Cy's a very good friend of mine. But he and Molina do not get along at all. <laughs> and I don't you know but you know uh, Cy's a very opinionated guy. Oh
2: uh, sure. And he sure. will
1: just Beat you to death was with, with his opinion. Oh and eventually yeah! Molina hits the wall. It's like, <laughs> shut up!
2: No, <laughs> stop saying that. You've got a one-sided position funny. and it sucks. <laughs> really, funny. allow for others. It's really funny to watch. I it just is. think it's funny this whole like because we started down the road with the diapers and the consent thing yeah, and consent, uh,
1: consent to touch I, your. I'm poop.
2: just wondering, like, can you can you give consent if somebody's going to do something nice for you? You know what I mean? I totally understand. Yeah, that's what it is. Like, uh, well, we were going to put a million dollars in your bank account, but you didn't give consent, <laughs> so we so. thought we should ask you first. And it seems so ridiculous, and now mm. I'm thinking, no, banks do that now. Yeah. Like, I tried to um, – th- We, my girlfriend and I had a, a weird uh, – a situation where I had to give her or she had to give me cash for something and then I had to give, give her a check and then I took the cash and then I ended up owing her money. It was very I, confusing. I think that's called wire fraud. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were we were trying to scam the system in one way or another. Yeah,
3: there you, but nice.
2: the bottom line is I end up in line at her bank with a wad of cash that I need to put into her account that day. Oh, okay. And uh, the bank went, oh, no, no, we don't allow that. If you're not listed on her account, you can't put cash into her Even account. Even if it's
1: cash. And I
2: was like, "Why?" I said, "I'm not trying to." It, we, you could always deposit stuff at a bank. I'm trying. I'm not trying to withdraw. Right. And they're like, "Yeah, there's too much. There's too much uh, crime and yeah, and never fraud." Heard
3: of deposit. Like restrictions because it's a deposit. It's cash. It's a deposit. It's like, what could go wrong? Um,
2: and by the way, this is this is the fact at Bank of America, at Chase, and then really? Wells Fargo recently changed their rules that you can't do it
1: after screwing people out of money for the last <laughs> twenty five years. <laughs> yeah, 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 I yeah. love that you can screw me, but I can't deposit money in your bank because I might screw what?
2: We can take your money, yes. you just can't give it to us.
1: Yeah, you just give, There you go! That's a new slogan for Wells Fargo. We can take your money, you just can't give it to us. That's, But it's true, though.
2: Well, and the consent, the whole, the whole thing of it has so many, so many different variables and you've got this weird gray area in the middle. Like, when the Me Too movement started and everybody thought, like, well, we're gonna have equality in Hollywood, I just sat there and shook my head and I was like, well, now we have to feel bad for some women, everybody. And yeah. they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well... If, if this is true, if we're trying to get rid of, of people taking advantage of other people in Hollywood, you have to really feel bad for the women who really are trying to sleep their way to the top. <laughs> because this whole movement is cutting their legs yes. out for under It really is. But You're you know right. what's funny? I say that certain places and the crowd laughs because they realize the inherent contradiction. And then sometimes the crowd just goes, no, no. Oh no, no, that's not the point. You're missing the point. And I'm like... You're an idiot. No, no, I get the point. I'm saying, do you recognize consequences? Because there is a nice young 18-year-old who moved to L.A. with no talent at all, and she decided, you know what, I'm going to sleep my way to the top, and right. she did it, and she was representative of women on the screen, and you had no idea what her history was, right. but you you got to go, oh, she's an actress, and she's very good at it, and, and awesome. And then uh, now it's like, well... We don't know how you got there, but we want to make sure you took the proper channels, and we want to make sure you weren't taken advantage of, and we want your whole backstory and the backstory of everybody you ever touched and talked to, and we, and you go, why? Are we going to get anything we, done? <laughs> well, that's the problem, no. I mean, we're not going to get anything done any longer. It's not about
1: getting things done. It's about attention. Well, it is about attention, but we were uh, we were just talking. I don't know if you, you know Adam Hunter or not, but Adam's yeah. in town as well. Yeah. I was we just talking to Adam about this, the fact that I do believe... Not celebrities. Not just celebrities, but all public figures will eventually be accused of sexual harassment if they don't do something about due process.
2: Um, Yeah, well... Because you're going to get nailed.
1: I mean, you just are.
2: the, The whole idea that you... <laughs> it's an all or nothing proposition. You it have is. to believe the victims. Yes. You have to. You have to. And you either you
3: go, do or you don't. Wow. And if you do, then every accusation is valid. Which yeah, is not a position you can really It's unbelievable. Take.
2: Right. Well, we spent a long time we spent a long time uh in the court system writing laws. And we did that because Weird. there's a lot of nuance involved. <laughs> there's a lot And that's, of sh- that's why it took laws. so long. <laughs> That's why, that's why you, you have to go to school and study law because we wrote so many goddamn rules because we figured out all of these little corners and, and dead ends that you can get into that weren't fair. And what, what society has done now is they've watched enough Law & Order that they <laughs> went, nah, I know about the law. I could take this into my own hands. I'm just going to take to the Internet and start a movement. I remember
3: when Law and & Order and CSI and that kind of thing first came out, Jurors were asking, like, you know, okay, so, uh, you know, why don't we use the, you know, retinal um, identification software on that $10 Chinese security camera. <laughs> and they were like, it, it made things so difficult to convince people that that wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And that the reason they don't have evidence is because, you know, there just is no evidence. You can't magic it into the courtroom. Right.
2: And, and we're doing the best we can. I would think. Pardon. Um, we're doing the best we can, and the court system is never going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying desperately to do better with it. It's not like it's not like everybody's sitting around going, eh, "It'll be fine." Everybody has the fear of like, well, I don't want to be sitting as the defendant right. and have right. a system set up that's against me. Right. Everybody's that way.
1: You just nailed the whole problem. We have in America now with one word: we have completely lost nuance. Oh yeah, it's gone. Right. Well, you can't lose nuance. It's necessary. That's what it's human. That's yeah. what makes us human is nuance.
2: Yeah. The, I... Well, I, there was, there's a book called Factfulness that came out recently. Mm-hmm. It's by, a, a, I believe it's a Swedish scientist, but it's very interesting. The guy who killed himself <laughs> at 104? No, 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 He killed the other guy. He, oh, killed, he killed the, the other, other guy. He killed the other guy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, but he, he talks about, you know, everybody's talking about the gap. They, they set up two situations, and then they look at the gap. Like, how, how are these two? Look at the right. wage gap. Look at the gap between, right. you know, this race of people versus that race of people. Look at the gap here. And, and he goes, that's a quick way to get get into trouble yeah if Hmm. you want to look at the overlap now you're actually going to be talking about something interesting because it's not as though you can pick out every single woman and go oh you make 80 cents on the dollar to every single man you go no that's not a true thing at all not at all we have to look at the overlap of how people are getting paid yep because there are women who make a ton more money than i do
1: oh yeah a ton and Sally yet, Smith I uh, mean, what do we do? Wild we
2: just don't count them.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's exactly right. Again, a woman from Richfield, Minnesota. Sally Smith is her name. She's no longer with the company because she sold it, but she started Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's money. She's got more money than all everybody you know and I know and everybody put together. Right, and she did it, and she was a woman from Richfield. Richfield would be what would you? A pretty. Blue collar suburb, wouldn't you say? Andy? Yeah,
3: it, it's never really been. Despite the name, it's never really been known for richness. Well, let me put it this way:
1: I was talking to somebody about Sally because I don't know her, but I know people that do know her, and they said, "I said, what's her? What's her background? What's her history?" They said, "Well, she she grew up in Richfield." But you need to understand something, Tom. She doesn't live in Richfield anymore. <laughs>
2: like, oh, okay. I, I believe you. I, I believe you.
1: I understand that. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I. What if everybody's being prevented from advancing, and succeeding? Why wasn't she stopped?
2: You're right. You, how, can we, how do yeah. we account for these success stories? Right. And it's weird that the, the people who want to talk about quote-unquote accountability right. don't want to account for all the factors. That's... They want to say, no, no, that doesn't matter, and that one over there doesn't matter. And it's I was true. like, and my mom was an accountant. So I go, what kind of accounting are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that old riddle about uh, three guys show up at a hotel, and they're going to get a room, and uh, the manager says, okay, well, it's $30. So each one of the guys pulls out $10, pardon, and uh, they pay the $30, they go up to the room, and the manager goes, oh no, I overcharged those guys, it should have only been $25. So he gives the bellhop $5, he says, take this up to the room and give it to those guys. Well, the bellhop's going up there and he realizes, well, I can't split $5 three ways. So I'm going to give them $3, and then I'm going to keep 2 Now, here's the riddle. If he gives each one of those guys a dollar, then technically each one of those guys only paid $9, right? right. Yes. Nine times three is 27, 27, plus the $2 in his pocket, that's 29. 29. Where's the other dollar? Now, I remember I told my mom that riddle, and my mom just, she, her expression didn't change, <laughs> and she just glared at me and then started shaking her head no. She's no. she's just going, no, 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 because you're, you're mixing up what was paid versus yeah. what something cost, Ryan. You can't mix up the numbers on the page like that. But you can. <laughs> you, you can did. is you the point. Did. Right. And, and by the way, Hollywood does that all the time. All right. Hollywood right. math, if you guys don't know that term. Oh, oh it God. is fascinating because that's how the, the writer for Forrest Gump, one of the biggest grossing films of the time, the studio is saying, no, 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 we lost money on that film. We can't. We can't get you any money. We oh, we God. overseas the, the we cost that cost us on uh, promotions and, and shipping and handling. I don't even know. And you go. How is that possible? How is
1: that possible? As an example of that in radio, we had an ownership group, a uh, couple ownership back at, at the radio station, and uh, he asked me if if I would because because I, I apparently in his company I was the highest paid on air guy in the company. So will you take a pay cut? And I said, what? why? I mean, well, you know, the economy crashed in 2008 and blah, 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 blah. And if you don't, I'm going to have to let a bunch of people go. Mm. And I said, well, wait a minute. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, if you want me to give money back, I'm not going to take a pay cut, but I will kick my money back to the company so people don't do, lose
2: their jobs. Oh, the perspective of it for yeah, you mattered. Yes, it did. Right. It Interesting. Did.
1: So I said, I just want to make sure that these people don't lose their jobs. And, you know, I made the mistake of not saying I don't want anyone to lose their job. Because what he did, he took that money that I gave back. Home. He, All those people did not lose their jobs, but he fired 10 other people.
0: Right? Because
1: oh. I didn't talk about them. Then he filed bankruptcy. And walked away with $45 million uh, in cash.
2: Uh,
1: There's that Hollywood math you yeah, talking yeah. About, yeah. I, that son of a bitch. If I ever see him again, he's not going to breathe much longer, I'll uh, tell you. Oh,
2: man. What a horrible human being. Right, right. You can well, never
3: trust people with that much money. Well, that much money, you can't. It corrupts them true. instantly. It's true.
2: And it's, and it's And I almost think that that's where nuance got us into trouble. Because then people are trying to use for their own benefit. Yep. And you oh, go, yeah. come on, we had an understanding mm-hmm. about humanity and morality. And <laughs> and, and they go, the well, technically we didn't. <laughs> and you go, so, this is nuts. Um, he, I don't, I don't, you have more to this well, story. I was
1: just going to say, he, he basically took nine times as much money as I gave back. Oh, and man. ten people still lost their jobs. So it was just nothing but win for him while everybody else
2: Everyone lost. else suffered.
1: Everybody else loses except for me. I win big. Yeah. What a pig.
2: And you know, unfortunately, it's people like that who say, well, life isn't fair.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, and,
2: that's right. And it's different when you say life isn't fair when <laughs> you're true, losing yeah. and life isn't yeah. fair when you're winning. And uh, the, that nuance matters. Um, the, the, the perspective on things is so interesting to me because I, when I was a kid, I played a lot of chess. My dad, mm, okay. my dad played chess with me. His his friends played chess with me. We would play for a Michelob. That's what we would play for. And I when was you eight. Were a kid, so I lost a lot. I lost a lot. <laughs> like they weren't going to let yeah, me win. You're not going to win. Um, which is good. We'll be right back and hear more about chess. You know, chess
1: and poetry. I want to talk to you about both of those. Okay. Right, right after this, Tom Bernard Show. Tom here for Saber Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Talk about people wanting to sell their homes, but uh, the problem is they don't know where they're going to go.
2: That's right. Yeah, the biggest challenge right now is you know you can sell your house and you can sell your house for more money with the Chris Lindell team. The issue is is where you're going to go. You know, are you going to move in with your parents, your grandparents? Are you going to have a hotel? townhome for temporary housing, or are you going to move in with Tom?
1: Well, they're not going to move in with me. They might move in with Chris, though, ladies and gentlemen. That's K-R-I-S, by the way. We have to reach right out to him.
2: Where are they going to go? Yeah, so we have a you-don't-have-to-move-twice guarantee, where there's, there's five steps that we take at the Chris Lindahl team, where we put those things in your contract when we represent you so that you're protected, so you don't move twice. You're in control because you're the seller, and when you find a property, then you sell. It's
1: a wonderful thing. So you've got the answer.
2: I have the answer.
1: Here we go. <laughs> That's why they're America's number one remax results team. We'll give the first five callers a free copy of Chris's number one best selling book, sold, ChrisLindahl.com, or you can call 763-401 sold.
0: Oh, People, oh,
1: People don't care who they turn be. Oh, love, love of money Great song with the O.J.'s. Brian Stout in studio. He's at Acme tonight. Tomorrow night, two shows. matter of fact, 8 and 10.30 at Acme. One of the greatest uh, comedy clubs in the country. Lewis Lee, of course. The godfather, Lewis Lee. Yeah, the godfather, Lewis Lee. Andy, I want you to know something. That in the last 24 hours, I cannot tell you the number of people who said they're severely depressed. And some of them actually (laughs) teared up when you told them the results of, what is it, Ronald Wagner? Is oh, the uh, Apple guy? Yeah, is it Ronald Wagner? Is that his name? Something. Do you know this story,
2: right I don't know this story. What oh happened? Oh,
1: God. Uh, was you I, might, you might was I on a crying.
2: plane? What happened?
1: <laughs> you might tear up. Ronald sure. Wayne. Ronald Wayne. There you go. Mm. Tell uh, tell Mr. Stout what Ronald Wayne did. I like
2: how your voice went up. Go, go ahead and tell yeah. him. <laughs> go ahead and tell him. I'm going to sit here and watch oh, a little seriously. bit.
1: seriously. It's so depressing. It's unbelievable.
3: <laughs> well... Uh, in the 70s, he started working with Steve Jobs, and he founded Apple with him and Wozniak. Uh, and he got a 10% stake in Apple, which he then sold two weeks later for $800. Uh, the equivalent of a 10% stake in Apple today would be $80 billion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The guy didn't know what he had. And no, he's still alive, he sure and he's living, he's living in a trailer. living in a trailer house. Oh, is that true? He's yeah,
3: living in a
1: trailer park. Huh.
2: Somehow he's still alive.
1: He... <laughs> people have called me, or come to me to the other street and go, I literally started tearing up when Andy told yeah, that story.
3: It's <laughs> among the worst decisions oh. any human has ever made. Oh,
2: well, oh I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe he's very happy in his trailer.
3: That was so great how you yeah. were trying
1: to think of something worse that happened and you couldn't.
2: <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs>
1: yeah, 80 billion.
3: That's like, you know, oh, could have been 100
2: billion. <laughs> <laughs>
3: right, there you go. Could have been 100 billion. Uh, $800.
2: That's fascinating.
1: Isn't that amazing that's that amazing. that happened? He said, though, and Andy did point this out, he said, with the facts where they were at the time it was the right thing to do mm-hmm. and he's convinced of that uh, things being what they were then
3: and what the facts were then oh, but that even, was the right decision even if you don't think apple's gonna make it it's eight hundred dollars you can gamble on yeah, that who cares? if you lose eight hundred dollars it's not that big of a deal
2: i have eight hundred dollars in bitcoin right now well, and by go. the way it is volatile and it is up and down <laughs> yeah and i gotta tell you something guys the roller coaster is fun for me. Hell it yeah. is a lot of fun. Like you See, put your money in blue chip stocks and you just watch them slowly gain a little bit over yeah, time. Yep. In the past month I've been up thousands of dollars. I've been up, I've been down thousands of dollars. <laughs> and and I'm just grabbing my chest like squeezing stuff yeah. going, "Oh, oh, this is terrible." It's but it's true. fun.
1: It's fun. Yeah, it gives you something to do.
2: Eh, it's only 800 bucks.
1: 800 Who cares box, whatever whatever works, but <laughs> yeah, honestly Andy, I cannot tell you how many people have talked to me about that. They're just they're, they were crushed. Think of the guy who went from 800 bucks to 80 billion in one just quick stroke of the pen. He yeah, signed, mm-hmm. he signed an agreement to sell it. Did it say who he sold
3: it to? He just relinquished the stock back to. Oh, back to Wozniak and. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I mean, oh. technically, it wasn't a stock; it was a stake. It was a stake. Yes. Because stake. he uh, he true, yes. co-founded it. So huh. it was Wozniak. It was
1: uh, what's his name again? Wayne ronald wayne yeah wozniak wayne and and uh and uh, steve, jobs. steve jobs yeah hmm. i uh there's a great wozniak story it's is um steve o steve o from, yeah, jackass, from jackass Island. yeah he was working on I, I don't know for some for some reason he was on a tv show or something with steve wozniak and and steve O said i have to go on a trip and my my laptop just died and Wozniak goes, well, you know, we can just run over to the Apple store and we'll get you a new one. It'll be great. it would be fine. And so Steve O, I think, assumed he was just going to give them a laptop. Yeah. Because they're, how much are they? Five, six, seven, eight hundred $800, something? Yeah, whatever. up to 1000 $1,
2: thousand, twelve hundred, 1200 depending on what you get. Go yeah. 1,
1: yeah. So while they're there, Wozniak says, <laughs> says to the cashier, um, just charge them my price. I'm a, I'm a, what a member! What the hell are you going? Sure, uh, right? You know, and the cashier didn't know who he was. They had no idea who Steve Wozniak was. So he says, "Well, Mr. Wozniak, uh, if you're if you're one of our charter people, what's your number? Your charter number?" And He said, "One." <laughs> <laughs> his his member number was one. So so the greatest thing about it is Steve O says. So I got the laptop for you know it was like nine hundred fifty dollars. Yeah. you thought he was going to get it for free. But yeah. They got, no, we don't do that. Your we
2: charter see- number gets you $50 off. It <laughs> gets yeah. you
1: like 50 bucks off. That's a. And Steve-O's
2: it. trying to dig through his wallet for an old college ID <laughs> to be like, college students get $100 off, right? Yeah, right,
1: exactly. This is this is still good. I would get more money off if I didn't use your number one. I love that. What's
2: your, what's your member number? One. One. I was the first member. Okay, so you studied poetry in college. I did. Um, it was... Uh, You know how life teaches you lessons? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, I was a young man who was going to do stand-up comedy every single night in San Francisco. And I thought, you know what? I need a nice, easy major. Something that uh, I can write a poem. They're not going to be able to tell me it's not poetic. Yeah, so this so you is going to be Texas easy. To
1: San Francisco to go to
2: college, uh, specifically to do stand up, and I just ended up going and, and to college. Ended up going to college, Any, um, okay. I went to I went to a school where you didn't have to be that smart because I was like, yeah, I'm not going to have a lot of time for this. <laughs> um, and I had teachers warn me; they were like, if you thought creative writing was just going to be some easy major, um, uh, you know, you're going to be real surprised. And I just young and cocky, going, yeah, we'll yeah. see, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see how that is. Out. And uh, sure enough you know they're they're saying write a poem and turn it in and i go all right i'll throw some words together and i turn it in and then write another poem turn it in okay here you go and then at the end of the semester they're like we've been talking about poetry all semester so take one of your poems that you wrote <laughs> And then write a 10-page paper (laughs) about how you're going to improve it using the craft elements of poetry. And my jaw must have dropped. And I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um, But I managed to put it together. And uh, what I found was the writing of jokes and writing of poems, a lot of overlap. Because you're trying to use really? as few words as possible. Yeah, that's true. You're yep. trying to use yep. timing and rhythm. The yep. only difference, the only difference between a joke and a poem is every joke has the same intention, which is you want to make people laugh. That's correct. That's right. the only difference. Right. So I actually went to one of my professors and I was like, you know, I've been doing stand-up comedy. I want to turn in, I'm writing these jokes. I would like to turn them in for credit. And the professor went, but what if they aren't funny? <laughs> And it, it struck me so strange well, because yeah. I was like, well, you would never say that somebody's poem isn't beautiful. You That's would never true. use that subjective. You're only giving check marks for the poems anyway. You're not actually grading the poems. Poem and so stupid. you know what I did? I went, you're absolutely right. What if they're not funny? You're, I'm just going to turn in the poems. And you know what I did? I took all of my jokes, and I just broke them up line by line. Love it. And every time I would pause, that would be a line break. And then I would just turn in my jokes. And you know what the professor said? Ryan, I have to tell you, you're one of our best writers. Really? You're really... See, every there you, go. you have a very distinct voice. All of your poems have like a twist at the end, and it's always so funny. And I'm like... Yeah, these are jokes, you asshole. <laughs> but he didn't realize. Oh, my that. God. No, no he idea. just didn't realize that and, you were And you were that's jealous. kind of what we talked about earlier. I was like, people do not respect comedians. Because Not they true. don't really understand what the work is, yeah, but all true. of a sudden you just take your work and then you call it poems, and people go, "Oh, this is brilliant it's art." Brilliant
1: stuff. Yeah. And I
2: started just to just to test this theory a little bit more. I started doing poetry open mics in San Francisco, where I would oh go up God. and I would tell my jokes. I love that, but I'd be pretending to read them off of cards. Right, and uh, sure enough, people would come up to me afterward. Do you have a book? Do you have a? We would love to buy your book. <laughs> You're just so funny. And this one woman I remember specifically, I was like, yeah, I mean, I really like this whole comedy thing. I'm thinking about getting up at the Punchline Comedy Club and just trying some of this stuff there. And you know what she did? She just sneered and went, yeah, you're better than that.
1: (laughs) There you go. Meanwhile, no, no,
2: that's what I've been doing, lady. That's what I've... I've been doing. It's just your perception of it. Now, you bad. grew up
1: in Texas. Where in Texas did you grow
2: up El Paso, Texas? So right Paso? on the border of Juarez.
1: Yeah, right there, right there. The bridge. Did you ever see the show The Bridge? It was I did. a wonderful show. Yeah. I don't know why it only lasted two seasons. With, uh, Ted Levine was in it and
2: probably just got expensive.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. Great, great show. Because Houston has a wonderful comedy scene, don't they?
2: Uh, they Houston, yeah. I mean they used to. It was Not anymore. Uh, well, there was a place called the the laugh the laugh stop. Yeah, the livestock like yeah, was, was like there for Sam a long Kinison time, and, and it closed down. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah, it okay. closed down. fortunately I got to work there before it closed down. Oh, did you? But, uh, yeah, it shut down, and then the scene, you know, scenes shift that way. There it was really a privately owned a club great. in San Francisco that got bought by Live Nation, who owned the other club. Right. And so now, all of a sudden, you had a corporation that could kind of make choices to make the most money. Right. And so what ended up happening was instead of having two small clubs that were competing with each other, now you had two clubs that were owned by the same people. Right. And they were just like, great, we own it all now. And uh, that kind of got rocky for the local scene. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yep, yeah,
1: yeah. I could see that. Absolutely. So why did you pick San Francisco? Just because you liked the town? or
2: I really wanted to... I, I think people think of comedians as very cocky. They think comedians are like, some I'm are. funny yeah. and I'm going to get on stage yeah, and you're going to laugh whatever yeah. I say. Whereas a lot of comedians do come from a place of curiosity of like, mm. well, I think this is funny. I wonder if other people will laugh at it. Right. It's a very, it's a very, you know, just casual place. And you're on stage, you tell the joke, you look around the room, you see who's laughing, you see who's not, right. and you go, oh, that's my answer. You just answered my question. There's no right or wrong here, guys. Right. Um, but I, I didn't have the cockiness to be like, well, I'm clearly a great great comedian i should go straight to los angeles clearly i'm 18 years old and i know everything there is to know about show business i I should go to new york and just dominate instead i was like i should go to a small community where i can kind of learn something and develop a little bit under the radar where nobody's going to find me Mm -hmm. and then we'll move later if people want me to you know it was it was kind of that makes sense it, it was a very conservative approach to a very liberal industry Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, that's that's how I picked San Francisco. Plus, my older brother lived in the Bay Area, and yeah, that, uh, well, that helps, yeah, yeah. And just talking about, talking about talking uh, about people selling their eight hundred dollar share. <laughs> my my older brother moved uh, in nineteen ninety two, and he works in software. And he bought a house outside of the Bay Area you know, in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just found out he's in Indiana this week cause he's going to sell this property and just get the hell out just of the Bay area.
1: Make a ton of dough. Yeah. Too.
2: He's just gonna, you know, get a plot of land. And, really? Yeah.
1: He's done. But he's going to make a lot of money from that house. I would
2: sure. He's, he's only, he's not even 50, but he's like, I'm retiring. We're done. We're done here.
1: A lot of people. Yeah. A lot of people
3: are retiring at 30 now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to like a lot of these Silicon Valley people. Yeah. Those lucky enough to have gotten into Silicon Valley when the the was good. The
2: people who got out of Bitcoin in January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> $19, 000 19, 000. Per, yeah. yeah.
1: Then it went Could down you a little bit. Uh, Could you actually get out at nineteen thousand?
2: If I would have i started kind of researching it back in September and it was about four thousand per mm, Bitcoin, yeah, yep. and I didn't I didn't I didn't get in then. I would have been able to get out at nineteen thousand real quickly.
1: Oh god. Yeah. So somebody would have purchased.
2: Yeah. And god. I don't know if you heard like war- what Warren Buffett had to say about that. Yeah, but I, he was he, like, yeah, this is not – you're not investing. You're speculating. You're speculating. You're speculating right. that some other chump will pay more <laughs> yeah. for your worthless thing. And, I, and now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, well, that's what my older brother did with his house. He was speculating that he would just be able to resell it later for a lot of money. And he was correct. And he was right. Yeah. And you know what? It worked out good.
1: Do your, so that your mathematical mind comes from your father or your mother.
2: Uh, my mom was an accountant. My dad was an engineer for General well, so Motors. Both. Yeah. So both, Very, it, very logical people.
1: Everything that you do is mathematical.
2: It seems that way, oh, right? Absolutely. And, oh, absolutely. and it's weird that I'm in a word-based creative job. Very mathematical. And,
1: I mean, it all has to add up to something.
2: And people right. have been coming up to me after the shows this week at Acme and just being like, it is amazing how well engineered the whole act is. There it because is. Because they're, they're blown away by the end of the act. They're like, oh, you've been setting this stuff up the whole time. <laughs> they oh, there's like that's a good. theme and there's like, yeah. there's meaning to be taken from all this. You're not just some asshole telling jokes <laughs> randomly. Oh, my God. Oh, there's, there's it's like so a show. A <laughs> <laughs> you go, yeah. So yeah,
1: engineering and an accountant that that makes total sense to me because of the chess, because yeah. of the poems, because of the comedy. Yeah. It's just the way your brain works. That's a good thing.
2: Yeah, strategize and strategize. you just use the tools you're given and then you just Some people don't though. No, they absolutely they don't. Just don't get it. The chess thing that I wanted to get into that I thought was yes. fascinating is I think everybody in America would agree that chess is a equal game. A man and a woman can sit down at the board, yes, and you're yep, not going to be able yep. to guess who's going to win. No. There's no reason to put your money on either one. Right. Uh, black or white, gay or straight, anybody can sit down at the board and anybody can win. Right. So it's an equal game, right? Equal game. But then when you look at who the top 100 chess players are in the world, oh. people start going, well, it's 99 men and only one women, so it must be sexist.
3: And also it's like 50% Eastern European for some reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. And
2: you go, look, you know who's going to win the game? The people who practice at it the most. Yeah. That's all it yeah, is. That is. It has nothing good. to do. You can't just look at the outcome and then judge how the game is sexist or prejudiced or whatever, you have to actually look at the game. Because you can't change
1: the game. You have to play the game. Right.
2: Poor perspective.
1: It's phenomenal having you in studio, man. Thank you, I sir. I appreciate your no, time. No, I'm
2: so glad we did it.
1: Ryan Stout, ladies and gentlemen, at Acme tonight, tomorrow night, 8 and 1030.
2: RyanStout.com for details.
1: I like it. Dude. Yeah. We'll be back. Tom Bernardo.